The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David, and I'm here with my co-host. Hey, everybody. I'm Erica Ed. And we have an amazing guest that we're going to be bringing on in a few minutes. But first, Erica, do you know what I did this morning? Hang on. Let me guess. Did you go on QuickBooks this morning? Nailed it. I was on QuickBooks online this morning. I was. And you know what I did? I ran a really cool series of reports. And my favorite part of it is that I was able to go in for a client and he had told me earlier this week that he wanted to see, you know, a set of reports. And he gave me the descriptions just in simple terms. And I was able to sort of translate that into what the reports would look like and then automate the process so that every week on a schedule, he's going to get that set of reports. And then two days later, we'll do a call where we can review them. That's what I love about QuickBooks Online. It makes it so easy to make it seem to my customers like I'm everywhere all the time. It's <laughs> fantastic. So uh, I want to bring on our guest. Uh, Our guest actually was introduced to me by another one of our guests that we've had or we're going to have, Mike Milan. And uh, Mike told me, he said, you got to talk to Stephen Eugene Kuhn. He said he's an amazing guy with an amazing story. And I said, okay. And then Stephen and I got on the line. We talked a little bit and I could tell right away why Mike was making this suggestion and making it so strongly. So with that, I want to bring on Stephen Kuhn. Stephen, thank you so much. All the way from Budapest, Hungary. And every time I think of you or talk to you now, I always pull up my George Ezra playlist from Spotify <laughs> and I listen to the song Budapest because I actually love that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. What a, what, a, what a pleasure. And yes, Mike, uh, Mike is a good old friend of mine. He's a great guy. Great. So, you know, our format of the show is what it was like, what happened and what it's like today. So I want to start by kind of taking you back to when you were a kid, you know, maybe in high school, whatever, when you first started figuring out what your interests are, what, what were your interests back in high school? How did you start out? What did you think? Did you want to grow up and be what you became or did you have other ideas? <laughs> I, honestly, in, in high school, I was um, like a big doofus. So I was just trying to trying to survive, you know. Um, I tried football, I tried basketball, I tried, you know, wrestling, and I was like really bad at all of them. No, no <laughs> self esteem at all. Uh, I was really bad at baseball. Matter of fact, one time I was on first base, and the guy behind me hit a potential home run, but he caught up to me by third base. And uh, so <laughs> I was a guy that cost the school the entire year's uh, season when I when the coach said, "Do not rush the punter; he's going to." you know, fake and run a touchdown. And I rushed the punter and he ran around me and got a touchdown. So yeah, that, that was my, that was my childhood and at least in high school. And I just wanted to get out. So I, my only goal literally was to leave and um, become a person that I knew I could be, but never could develop into in that sort of surroundings. Cause to me, I was who I was because of my surroundings. Uh, as a, you know, I was like stuck in there because everyone knew who I was. And I figured if I left and I went somewhere else, uh, in this case, it was the military, the U.S. Army, um, uh, that I could start over again. And that's exactly what I did. Gotcha. So by the time you're getting out of high school, you, that, you had made the decision you wanted to get into the military? Yeah, I was eight years old when I made that decision. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you grow up in a small town? 
I, I, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, it was outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Well, between mm-hmm. Harrisburg, Philly, it was all in between. We moved a few times. Uh, born in uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but at the time lived in Lingolstown, which I don't even know if that's still a city. But yeah, it's like a, you know, it was li- literally a one room house we were born in. So wow. um, yeah, yeah you're a big out. guy. I wouldn't imagine you were the kind of guy people would have picked on back in high school. So it oh, they didn't pick on me. No, no, I was too busy picking on myself. So okay, <laughs> fair enough. You know, yeah, you know, no, no, I was, I was out in high school as a senior. I weighed two forty. I was six two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, you know, actually as a junior and a, I think a sophomore as well. Yeah, I think I grew up pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, so eight years old, you knew you wanted to be in the military. Was that is, was that in your family or other from the military or or is it just because you wanted to get out and that was your way out? Is that? Oh, well, you know, both. We had, you know, I, I, I like to say it's patriotic reasons. I mean, we have, you know, my great-grandfather to the fifth, um, you know, fought in the Revolutionary War, the son, sons of the American Revolution, the whole works, oh. all the way up until now, every conflict, and I was in the Gulf War. Um, so, you know, that was part of it, I guess you could say, but more than not, it was for selfish reasons to get out and sort of become a, a new person. Gotcha. Okay, so um, how did you, so, so eight years old, you knew you wanted to be in the military. That never changed throughout high school. Um, Okay, so tell us about the military experience then. Like how? So you were you were eighteen. Did you go to college first, or did you go straight nope. in? I went straight in after I, ten ten days after high school. I went in and I got on the. It was I was I swore in, and then I went to the uh, airport, and then the police came and pulled me off, or the MPs came and pulled me off because you can't leave the state, unbeknownst to me, uh, without paying your fines for underage drinking. So I had to, <laughs> to pay those first. So my my entry got delayed by another ten days, and then I left, went to Fort Knox. And uh, did five months of boot camp and, and um, specific uh, task trainings. And then I went to Germany. They sent me to Germany. Right. And mm-hmm. I just remember landing at Fort Knox, going into the barbershop. And I had the mullet, you know, the 80s mullet. So it went down to my, the back of my neck. Uh, nice. I know. I know. It was, yeah, it was really nice. And Part, uh, Party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good Lord. And um, uh, I'll never forget when that razor touched my head and they started shaving it off. I was like, this is the new me. Like I can start over now, and yeah. it's, it's literally what I did. I became the person <laughs> that I always wanted to be. I was a perfectionist. I, I did, I, you know. I remember running boot in boot camp, and I was very slow because I'm a big guy, and I'm running in the front of the formation just so I wouldn't fall out. Because I knew if I fell out and no one saw me, and I was in the back, I'd probably just quit. So I figured if I'm in the front, I can't quit, and because everyone will watch me, and I would never allow someone to see me quit. So I ran in the front struggling. I was sometimes even vomiting on myself while I was running because it was that hard, you know, and yeah. I just said, I'm not giving up. And that, that was, that was, that, that was the new me. Whereas before I wouldn't even have started, I would have been like, nah, I give up. So, and that's how I sort of formed my life. And I became, I became this crazy fighter kind of guy who wouldn't give up and tried everything and did everything. And I just knew that anything was possible. And it actually, when I was in boot camp, I was in the concert, in the, um, in the uh, obstacle course. And I came, came upon this wall that I had to jump over. And everyone else is jumping over, but I couldn't get over it. And there was no rope to get me. I was like, how are you supposed to? You can't, you know. And I'm trying to jump out like an idiot, trying to jump him down. Couldn't get over it. And the, the drill sergeant comes up, throws me down in the mud, puts his foot in the back of my neck and starts insulting me at every name in the book. And I got so upset, I just jumped up and said, yeah, I'll show you. And I jumped right over the wall. Like, mm. like right over the wall. And that moment, I landed on the other side. And I pa- paused and I said, holy shit. The mo- Excuse my French. Holy wow. The 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 mind is truly more powerful than the body. Mm. And from that point on, I was capable of any, anything in the world. That's fascinating. I'm pretty sure that's why boot camp is designed the way it is, right? Because that exactly. guy, that guy, it was, it's do or die. That guy gave you the motivation, even though it sounds like he was being berating and demeaning. 
I mean, did you, did you realize right away that like, I'm not going to take this personally. I get what he's doing and it, and it worked, right? It worked completely. And well, what it was, you know, you didn't, you weren't mad. I, I mean, if I think back, I wasn't mad at him. I was feeling sorry for myself. Right. It was all about me, wasn't it? It was like, I can't do this. I'm a loser. I'm that kind of thing. So it wasn't about him at all. It's just that he was forcing me to face that. Right. And, and you know, he, he really forced me to face it. I didn't, didn't hold it against him at all. Matter of fact, you know, he became like one of my idols because he, he actually showed me the way. Right. Well, Interesting it's like, how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my well, frame we, of that, reference. That was back, that was, sorry, that was back in 1986. So that was before stress cards and timeouts and things like that. You didn't, you didn't have <laughs> <Right>. all <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, my frame of reference for this kind of thing is the movie Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Right. Remember that movie, which I, I, you know, I always wondered how accurate that really was, you know, but you kind of get a sense of that. I think even in that movie that the guy's being a hard ass, but it's for a reason. And ultimately, if you're going to be going into battle, it's probably for your own good. Right. It, it is for your own good. I mean, if, if someone says to you, get down and you're like, why? You're already dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's like it's like get down. You just move. You have to follow orders without a hesita- without hesitation, just bing bang. And you know, you can't be asking questions, say who are you and that kind of stuff. You'd be dead already. So yeah. But I love the takeaway you just gave us about how you did the example about how it's the mind is more powerful than the body, you know. And and, and at such a young age, I, I you know, I was like, This is real. This is I've read this before, I've seen it somewhere in a movie or something. And I was like, I just went over a wall and like a minute ago I had no no belief at all that I could do it. And now I'm doing it. I did it three more times. And he said, would you get moving? You know, I, like, right, right. I can do it again. You know, <laughs> he's like, okay, goof, get, get, you know, get rolling. So, yeah. I think it's interesting too. When, you know, what it makes me think of is how your outlook, you know, you, you took that as a motivator to get over that wall. Whereas a lot of people would have laid down in that mud and said, this SOB, like, how dare he talk, you know, putting his foot on my, the back of my neck. Like, you know, they would have taken it in a different way. And your outlook was like, Oh, I'm getting over this thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, know? you want to you get me down in front of everybody? You want to embarrass me? I'm going to show you. That's just yeah. what it was. That was that motivation. But it was more like, you know, I, in my head, I remember Lena, like, you came here for this, man. This is why you're here. Yeah. Get your, get your you know, your big butt up and make it happen. And yeah, I, I did it. So, I think yeah. there are certain people like that. Like, it reminds me of an experience I had in a totally different vein. But, you know, years ago when I was studying for the Series 7 exam, you know, I wasn't the best student in high school. I was a classic underachiever, never got the grades I should have been able to get. And my parents were always on me about that. And so when I decided I wanted to become a stockbroker and I was studying for the Series 7, I knew that my parents, they said to me, they said, we don't think you're going to be able to pass that test because you're not disciplined to study and all this. And hearing that and knowing that that's how they felt, same kind of motivation. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you. And they had written down the score they thought I was going to get, and I blew them away with what I scored on that test. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't imagine. I I think the best motivator for me is somebody telling me I can't do something. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, it is now, definitely. I mean, it's it's after that point, definitely. Tell me, matter of fact, I was waiting. If I had a challenge, I'm like, please, somebody tell me I can't do it, because then I know I will. Exactly. (laughs) There's, There's a famous YouTuber called Casey Neistat. You may know who he is. And he's got a video called Do What You Can't. And it's exactly about all this. I highly recommend everybody watch it. It's a kind of video that gives you chills when you watch it because he talks about all these things people told him he would never be able to do. He's too ugly for video and all this stuff. And it was all <laughs> motivating him to do exactly what everybody told him he can't do. And that's the best way I find if I want to motivate somebody, right? Is you know, like in a way you can use that kind of reverse psychology. If you want to get somebody motivated to do something, oftentimes the best way is to tell them they can't do it. Of course, yeah. Proper context. We don't want to berate people, obviously. No, of course not. And now, no. now, and nowadays too, it's a little bit more. 
I guess sensitive. sensitive yeah. You know, yeah. More like you said, what did you make I, reference to? The what kind of cards? Yeah. The stress cards and the timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> Jewel Sergeant timeout. You know, and no, they, they didn't exist in my day. They so. really do that in the boot in boot camp? And some of them, like I think the army does it or the, someone someone does it. They have are they have like stress cards too where they pull out of their pocket like I'm stressed. You know, like in soccer, they wow. look like a red card. Up. Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know they, that. Crazy. Adam, I don't know. I don't know. They phase them out for a while, then they're talking about bringing them back or something. Yeah. So, I don't really follow military. I'm like I said, like you know, like you said, I live in Europe, so I've been over here uh, since I ETS or since what they call it. They call it leaving the military in 1993. I got it what they call a European out, and I out processed here in or in Germany and walked off base, and I was a civilian, so I didn't even go back to the states. I just literally stayed here. Gotcha. Cool. So, and back in those days, and I, there wasn't, you know, internet was just showing up. The cell phones weren't there yet, so we didn't have this global view. So I was literally encapsulated living in Germany. There wasn't, you know, this international. I had, I could still get AFN um, if I had, because I had my American TV. And what's right. AFN? Because not all our viewers. Oh, sorry, I'm Armed Forces Network, which was okay. the American TV station in Europe that you could only get if you had an American TV. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a different system than the European system, so the wavelengths are different. Even Got if you had an American car, you couldn't get, you couldn't tune in the stations because it was a different frequency and really crazy stuff. Gotcha. So, so the what, military experience—it sounds like really shaped you. Were you were you not disciplined before that experience? Did you or you know did it give you the discipline, or were you already somebody who was leaning towards like heavy structure, or like how did that shape you? Oh my, we were. Like I didn't mess with my mom, put it that way. You know, um, you know, we did what she said. Period. I mean, there wasn't any argument there. That's for, that's for darn sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that was the structure. But you know, we had a few stepfathers and stuff like that. And I guess that made me sort of un- unstable, or you know, didn't feel loved maybe or something. And I was sort of looking for that. And that's why I was maybe being rambunctious. Um, but the military definitely gave me a way to. You know, I think everyone talks about yeah, it gave me leadership skills and it made me you know that kind of stuff. Sure, it did. But what it really did for me. Uh, was truly show me that there's nothing that can stop me. You know, um, I also went to war, so I went to Iraq in the first in the first Gulf War, and I, I, I a few things happened to me there. A few things I learned there that also changed my view about how I look at myself and the things that I do and why I do them. So I had right. a situation. I had a situation with a little girl there. I had a situation with some um, some Iraqi soldiers there. I had one guy who we captured uh, alive, and he was actually visiting home from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, from where he was going to college at Dickinson's, Dickinson College, and they threw him out on the battlefield. He was in civilian clothes. He's like, thank God you guys showed up. He spoke perfect English. And he was like, they just kept me here. I was home on vacation. They kept me here and sent me out to battle. Thank God you guys showed up. And now seeing that in the middle of a battlefield, when you're, in, you're thinking like, whoa, where am I here? You know, just sort of, sort of everything was mixed together at one time. And so, yeah, there was uh, the, the war itself, you know, they say it lasts 100 hours. I was there for six months. Um, you know, went through some stuff there. Did to really was, was shortly before doing something really stupid would have landed me in prison. Uh, if, you know, if if I'd have done it, but I had I had some really good, you know, bosses. I guess you could say that took care of me, made sure that I wasn't going completely nuts. Mm-hmm. And um, um, you know, the situation with the little girls what told me. I there was a little girl, and um, we were at a checkpoint outside of Basra after the cease or after the war during the ceasefire, and we were blocking the highway going in and out of Basra which was in the Iraqi zone. We were in the, in the no-fire zone. And I see this little girl and a woman walking towards me from far away, and she's pink. She's wearing like a pink dress in the middle of the desert, which is odd. And I, as she gets closer, she has her arms out to her sides like she's playing airplane. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, she uh, comes up closer, and she's completely burnt, and the dress was covering her. So I sent her to the, I sent her to the medics 
And she came out and I gave her a butterscotch candy out of my grenade pocket and she smiled. I thought to myself, you have no right ever to complain again. Right. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, And so uh, we got to take a short break. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what happened. We're going to kind of get from your military experience and on into your career. And we want to talk about maybe some of the scarier things that you experienced, some of the darker times just to see and learn how you got through them. It sounds like you were very well trained and prepared for how to get through very tough things. So I definitely want to hear some more about that. So when we come back in just a minute. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Voice America is supported by MailJet, the leading email service provider for teams. MailJet's new collaboration toolkit is the Google Docs for emailing, letting teams collaborate on templates, campaigns, all in real time. Go to hello.mailjet.com forward slash voice to try MailJet Premium for free and see how teams around the world collaborate on email. That's hello.mailjet.com forward slash voice. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks books.intuit.com to find out more. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here with Erica and Stephen, my guest, who's live all the way from Budapest with us in Hungary. And we're talking about your experience, Stephen, in the military. Powerful, powerful stuff. You know, just the story that we left off with at the end of the last segment has me in chills, you know, and just, I love what you said about it. You know, I love the fact that you pointed out what you took out of it was like, don't ever complain again. You know, when you see, you know, just, it just gives us incredible perspective, I think. So, 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 and and it, and it, and it, it, you know, it's, it's true. Like if you can't change it, you know, why, why even waste one second of energy on it? That's what I would say. Bad things, I just let go if I can't change it, you know. 
Right. As we recently, Eric and I were talking in a recent episode that we recorded about that very subject, like understanding the difference between what you can and can't control. Mm-hmm. So I love yep. that you said that because there are things that I'm very, the only thing I can really change is me and how I react to things, right? Exactly. And, and it's funny because people are like, oh, I have to go to the doctor to help me. Oh, I have to get healed from this. This drug is helping me or whatever. And it's not. None of that stuff is helping you. You're taking the first step. You have to decide to go to the doctor. You have mm-hmm. to decide to take that, whatever it is, that medication you need to take. So it's always you. You always start and end it. And people right. forget that. They're so, they're so dependent on the world trying to take care of them or thinking that the world has to take care of them or whatever it is that they forget that they're a very, very amazingly powerful sort of being, you know, mm-hmm. not sort of being, a being. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, th- I think especially having gone through the military, you must have gone through some really scary stuff. And I imagine some very dark times. Tell us about maybe, tell us about the most, the scariest thing you experienced. Well, you know, I think the scariest thing I experienced, you know, war wasn't scary because it, it, you were, you're, you're in a zone. It was like, it was like being in a movie almost. I, I, every, every feeling you've ever had at one time. So you're, you're, you're like high on everything. Mm. You're just not even in, in a real place. I, I was literally like watching myself as a movie. It was that strange. Mm. But the scariest times were after um, when it sunk in. You know, and years years later, and, and when I when I got out, living in Germany, and the PTSD hit me, and I, you know, I lost it. I literally woke up in a park in Berlin naked. No idea how I got there. I completely lost it. Like I had like an like out of body experience breakdown, and it took me two weeks to even find out, you know, who I was again. I mean, I was completely lost. Wow. And I, it was it was from pushing it all away. It was from burying it. It was working. I had three jobs the whole time when I first got to Berlin. Um, and it was, you know, you push it away, you bury it, you don't talk about it, you don't, you know, anything. And it just, it just kept coming back stronger and stronger until 2003 when I decided uh, to write about it. And it came out in a, in a book in Germany, unfortunately only in Germany, because it came out the day the war started in 2003. Mm-hmm. And it went, it went straight to bestseller. It's still a bestseller to this day, um, but it's only in German. Uh, and it was, it was anti-war, but not, you know, protest war. It was anti-war because of what it does to people. Mm-hmm. And because right. of my experience, so I, my, my book is about a guy who was a patriot and who loved his country and did everything that he wanted to do to be this, 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 this hard, you know, hardcore soldier. And then he goes to war and finds out, you know, he's not hardcore at all, you know, and it's just that he, does, he doesn't have it in him to, to keep doing what he was doing. And I knew that just like I left high school and went to the army to break through that class ceiling, I had to do it again and so I could develop as a person. And so I decided to get out of the military. Um, and when I got out, that's when it really hit me, you know. And, wow. Uh, I had, you know, suicide attempts and the whole, everything you hear, all the nightmares you hear about soldiers, that was me. So, yeah, I mean, I even pulled, yeah. pulled a pull, policeman, German policeman's gun out of his hand, out of her holster one time and was ready to go. So, yeah, it was, it was really, really, really tough. And the only thing that held me together is that I always had this gut feeling that I'm here to make a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm 51, and I think that difference is actually starting to happen. Mm-hmm. So, right. I'm glad I stuck around. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> So, and how did you get through it? Like, how would you describe what got you through it to the other side? You know, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of things. You know, I had friends, um, uh, you know, fam, my twin brother, Scott, uh, was always there for me. You know, he'd fly over, or I'd fly me back to the States. And, you know, because when you're in a position like that, you're barely making money. You can't work. You're just a big heaping mess. So, you know, and I had not put in for any VA assistance at all. You know, a matter, a matter of fact, I, they forced me to basically, they kept writing me letters, you have to file. That was in 2012 or something. And they immediately put me at 100%, which was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, so, um, and I was like, so they sent me to a review and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to find out it was a mistake. And the, and the doctor said, no, you're permanent 100%. I was like, 
oh my, am I really that bad? <laughs> and that was only three years ago. So I'm thinking like, okay, you know, um, so it, it was, it was, uh, you know, it's, it, it's there still. It's just that how I look at it. And I, I sort of face it on now when I have those bouts of depression or uh, those bouts with PTSD where, I mean, and it takes you, it's like a lightning bolt and it hits you and it just throws you down so deep and so far and so quick that you don't even realize it's happening until you're already there. And then you're fighting for your life to get out of it because there's, I mean, I literally get up some days. And I just want to stick a knife in my throat. You know, it's literally, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, it's a constant battle, but it's, it also makes me stronger. I got two kids, four and five years old, sorry, three and four years old. My wife, you know, over here, uh, we've been married now. This is my second wife. We've been married now for five years. And I got a lot to live for. So that's, that's, I'm not worried about that. It's just that sometimes to be productive, you know, you really got to push hard. Mm-hmm. And what helps me is knowing that it's only, it only depends on me. If I waited for the VA to take care of me, if I waited for a doctor to take care of me, for my wife to take care of me, it would never happen because I have to allow them to help me. And that means taking the first step always. And I know it sounds easy for to say it, and I, but I, but believe me, I know how hard it is to actually do it. <laughs> that is such a powerful statement you just said about allowing people to help you, because we we grow up at least. I think I don't know about everywhere, but I know I we feel like we have to take care of ourselves, and like I got this, I got this. I'm a yep. tough guy, I got yep. this. And it's so hard to ask for help. And yep. if you can get yourself to ask for help. Man, it's almost impossible to actually accept it when someone offers it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I preach that now. I always say if God, someone is so where, powerful. If someone is where you want to be, ask them how they got there. Yeah. That's well, that's my that's, biggest That's exactly why we do this podcast because exactly. that's what we're asking every guest. Is I want to know how I can get to where you are. That's essentially the, the what the whole format is based on. And and I'll tell you something where I what I draw on on this subject specifically is something I read and a lot of people who know and know about me know that I'm clean and sober. And so I'm very much in touch with the 12 step process. And in part of that 12 step process, it talks about how we actually gain independence by being willing to become dependent in a healthy way on others for help, right? By reaching out and asking people for help. So I get, I gain independence ironically by becoming dependent but in the right and healthy ways by asking for help. That's what it really comes down to. I, I can't agree more. I can't agree more, especially in business. You know, I have people struggling and they're like, I can't afford a consultant. I can't afford a coach. I can't afford a mentor or whatever. And then you talk to a mentor. Like I'll, I'm a consultant, so a turnaround consultant. And so people will call me and they'll be like, I'll, be like, okay, I'll give you 15 minutes for free and then we can move from there. And in that, in that 15 minutes, I literally solve like massive problems that they thought they could never solve because – I have outside eyes, simple as that. And then yeah. they realize, wow, you mean I've been struggling with this for two years and you fix it in 15 minutes? That can't be true. But that happens with almost any consultant that's good. You know, they walk in, they see bing, bing, boom, and then, okay, we'll do this, do that, and you're done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, come out and ask for help. You got to ask for help. If you're stuck and you're not asking for help, you're going to stay stuck. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They One say a, a closed mouth goes unfed. You know, you got to <laughs> open your mouth. You got to ask for help. It's true. That is true. <laughs> yep. I, I I, it's funny. I, the, earlier this year, I hired somebody to help me. $500 a session, not cheap, right? Yep. And years before, I had approached the same person and asked him for help. And when he said it was $500 an hour, I was like, I can't afford that. You know? yep. And maybe I couldn't at that time. But this year, the bottom line, the difference was, I don't know whether or not it was a question of really whether or not I could afford it. This year, I saw the value. And I said, you know what, yeah. it's, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth spending that money because what he's going to help me do is going to help me earn so much more than that $500 an hour that I paid for his help. And that's, that's exactly what I do. So, you know, mm-hmm. you t- typically in the first hour, we'll find, 
you know, a good 20, 30, 40, 50 K, you know, like immediately. I, I what my consultant is called the immediate impact right. revenue consulting. Right. So I, I, that's, that's my first mission is to find revenue before uh, we start on growth or scaling or structures and that kind of stuff. just immediate revenue so you can relax and we can actually focus on mm. uh, the growth and the scaling and things like that. Right. So what I've heard so far, just in terms of, you know, how to get through the hard times is a, you got to take the first step. Right. Yep. And that usually means asking for help somewhere. Yep. How do you find the right people to ask for help? Because we can get a lot of guidance from people and get mm. and get really bad guidance. How do you yes. know yeah. who the right person is to ask for the right help? Honestly, intuition. But obviously, everyone everyone doesn't have that 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 honed that skill. Um, when it came to me for my 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 second sort of breakdown, I was um, <clears throat> I had a friend that I you know you, you meet people and you go you, you you trust a little at a time and you test them over the years. Uh, you don't test them on purpose, but you test how far you can go with them as far as allowing them into your life and your secrets and you know your fears. And I had a few people like that. I had one guy named Michael, and I was at my lowest low, and I called him one day. And I said, look, either you come get me in Germany. He was from Austria. Either come and get me in Germany, or I'm, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Hmm. And, uh, and he, he sent a plane ticket. I flew to Austria. He picked me up, and he dropped me off in a, in a Benedictine monastery in the mountains of Austria. And I told the monks that I was coming, and they took care of me. I was there for, I don't even remember, six months maybe. Wow. And I disappeared. No, no cell phone, no laptop. No, I just disappeared. That was 2008, by the way. Mm. And uh, I lived with the monks, learned so much about myself, uh, you know, just meditated days on end because they're Benedictines and they meditate, funny enough, um, even though they're Christian. And um, that was someone who I could trust because over the years that I was with him, I could I was allowing him into my secrets, my darkness and things like that. And I saw that he was someone who actually and literally cared for me. Mm. Now, the problem comes when in the beginning, I didn't let anybody in. So if this if it would have happened to me earlier, I probably would have been in a, in a horrible place. You know, but finding the right people to help you as far as psycho- psychological goes, I'd say a professional. Because usually mm-hmm. if, if I would have called an army buddy, come on, dude, you get over it. You're a tough guy. You know, that kind of stuff. That's exactly <laughs> what you don't need in a time like that, you know, um, because then you're like, man up, you know, oh, quit being a wimp. That's basically what you're thinking to yourself. So, you know, I go to professional therapy. When it comes to business help, I just look at experience. You know, what have you done? What have you done? And, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there, a lot of consultants out there that they have, you know, great online degrees or degrees or whatever. But knowledge to me, knowledge is amazing. I have an MBA and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you're supposed to have. Society says is good for you. But knowledge without application is just like a bunch of mumbo jumbo in your head. If you're not applying it and you don't know, you've never applied it, how, how are you going to teach me to apply it? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, applied knowledge for me is much, uh, you know, experience and applied knowledge is much more, much more valuable for me in a consultant or a coach than, you know, someone who has all the degrees and all the certificates and stuff. Just right. And also per- just because somebody has a lot of knowledge doesn't mean they're able to teach it well. They may be really good at what they do, but not everybody is good at teaching and explaining how to do things in a way that makes it easy for the person on the other end to understand. Especially as an expert in our field, we often forget and we start speaking in very technical terms and we forget to redefine things in terms that somebody who doesn't have our experience can right. understand. Right, right that's well, right. In- industry jargon, yeah. And I think it depends on the person because some people may really respond to that industry jargon if they're technical like that, you yes. know, whereas other people may go, well, I don't know what you're yeah. saying, you know. So I think it's, it's very individual. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to find the person. It kind of has to be a trial and error to see what works for you. Well, right. hopefully it's not, it's not too much of a trial. An error, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's, I, I, you know, my intuition is pretty strong. I train that. Um, I take, you know, regular trips uh, to, 
to, and, and use plant medicine to sort of clear my way. I use ayahuasca in San Pedro um, in Peru. I travel there and do some, actually in, uh, in about, about a month, I'll be in Peru again uh, with another cere- a, a six-day ceremony. I've been doing the ayahuasca for 10 years. That really helps me clear my way, and it helps me train my intuition to find. I, I literally make 90% of all my decisions based only on intuition, that gut feeling that I have. Just poof, mm-hmm. don't even, don't give it a yeah, second you, thought. You learn to yeah. trust your instincts when you're practiced at doing yeah. it. You know, And right. sometimes we'll pay for that and also sorts of absurd mistakes, but then mm-hmm. we learn, and we learn how to better trust right. Of course, you learn through your mistakes, and you can learn through your mistakes, yeah. Yeah, and I love that. So the other thing I got out of this so far is, you know, in terms of getting through the dark times, because we all experience dark times, whatever we're doing, whatever our career is, and that's why I think this is so important. And I heard you essentially say, you're going to face your fears head on, right? You got to be sitting there with the drill sergeant's foot on the back of your neck, cursing you out and demeaning and berating you, and be willing to take that, but use it in the right way, in the way that it was meant to be used, which is not to let it keep you down, but rather to get up and say, I'm not going out like this. I'm going to show you, right? And, and when it comes to PTSD, I feel it coming on, you know, and, and I will, I will, I will um, let's say, personify it. So I'll look at it and say, okay, bring it on. What do you got? Bring it on. Bring it on. To dare you, bring it on. And I'll right. let it come and pass through me. I'll let it pass through me. Okay, take what you need to take and get the hell out. And it just, it just passes through me, and I literally see it visually on the floor and say, that's the last time you're coming through. And then the next one comes, you know, a couple months or maybe a year later. It depends. But I, I, I visualize exactly it as a thing, so I can, I can, I can you know, in my brain, I can you know, sort of coherently get rid of it, let it pass through me, and off it goes kind of thing, you know. So I guess people use it different ways. I have no idea where I learned that. I just did it one day, and it worked pretty good, so... I love that idea, the visualization. Somebody once told me that, you know, when you're struggling with where you're at in a given moment, they said, literally look down at your feet and ask yourself, where am I? I'm right here. What time is it? Don't look at your watch. The time is right now. That's all that matters. I'm, right. I'm right here. I'm right now. This is the only place there is. This is the only thing that exists. And that's how I recenter and get myself focused when I need to. I love that because if you think about it, the past, right? It can't come to you now unless you think of it now. And the future can't come to you now unless you think of it now. So literally all you have to do is change that thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the simplicity of it, it's mind-boggling that we complicate it so much. Like you just said, look at your feet. Where am I here? Where, you know, what time is it? Don't worry about the watch. It's, you're here right now. That's it. That's, that's real. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's very simple. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to do. No. <laughs> takes a lot of work and practice, but yeah, <laughs> it's very simple. Yeah. 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 All right, we're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Stephen Eugene Kuhn is doing with his life today. We're going to find out how getting through all that got him to where he is today and what he's doing today. And we're going to mention a lot of great resources for people so that they can learn how to learn and grow. And of course, ultimately, we want to tell people how they can get in touch with Stephen and get Stephen's help directly if that's something they desire. How you can ask Stephen for help. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Voice America is supported by MailJet, the leading email service provider for teams. MailJet's new collaboration toolkit is the Google Docs for emailing, letting teams collaborate on templates, campaigns, all in real time. Go to hello.mailjet.com forward slash voice to try MailJet Premium for free and see how teams around the world collaborate on email. That's hello.mailjet.com forward slash voice. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks books.intuit.com to find out more. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Seth David. We're still with the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Erica, and my special guest, Stephen Kuhn. So, Stephen, we're back. We're talking about what we do to overcome the dark times, what we do to get through the trouble spots that we experience, and great stuff that I think we're taking away from this. And so now I want to talk about what you're doing with your life today and, and how you got there. Because where we've kind of left off in your stories, you're getting out of the military, you're experiencing the PTSD, you couldn't really work, but at some point you got to work. At some point you got from that part of your life into what from I, what I can tell is an incredibly successful career where you can go anywhere in the world that you want to and you do. You're living in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I was really blown away when I saw some of your videos and I saw the pictures in the background of what Budapest looks like. I was like, man, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to come anytime. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's truly, I want to say, living my dream. You know, I, I'm not, not only living my dream geographically, but I have an amazing wife and, and two kids. It, it just, you know, every day I wake up and look at them and go, yeah, they're still here, you know. Um, but it took training myself to get there. You know, I, I ruined my first marriage. Um, we, we had no kids, so, you know, thank goodness for that that I don't have to, you know, there's no separation there. Um, and I guess through the years, I always push myself, to, you know, I don't, like, I don't like these motivational things because it was never about being motivated. And it was more about, you know, finding out for real who I was and what I was capable of. And I think we talked about that in, in the first part of the first segment here is, you know, that drive that you find once, like I found in boot camp, 
it just never went away. Mm-hmm. And I always knew, like, I know I can, you know, there's something. I know I'm here for a reason. What is that reason? So I would have, I had, like, cocktail bars in Berlin. I had a nightclub. I had health clubs. I ran 87 health clubs in nine countries. Wow. Uh, that's where I met Mike, because I, I, I took over a joint venture with a, with a, uh, a company in the States, and Mike was working there. That's where I met him, back in 2002 or 2001. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I just did, I was, I worked for Mick Jagger, Andrea Bocelli, Olivia Newton-John. Um, I was at, you know, MTV Music Awards, first European, uh, uh, um, you know, awards ceremony in Berlin on the stage. It was like just crazy stuff. I just, everything I wanted to do, I just did it, right? Because I knew I was capable of it, but I had no direction. So I was just like, you know, exploding egg just everywhere. You know, I, there was no like means or anything behind it. I just did everything that was in front of me. And it took me years to get that out of my system because I, I proved myself that I was capable. But what it did to me now, what it gave me is a background that's almost unparalleled. Mm-hmm. You know, so when people talk to me, they're like, what, 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 what do you mean? Because I like, <laughs> I consult, you know, I consult uh, um, um, politicians in Germany now for the last, what, almost 15 years. One of them is a party head and a parliament head actually. Um, and, you know, European Union, uh, um, uh, I, I do TV moderation in Germany. I moderated the, uh, is that a word in English? Yeah, I think it is. I moderated the, uh, um, um, the election and the inauguration uh, wow. on German TV. Me, I'm like this, this like soldier, you know, dude kind of guy. And I do all this stuff, but only because of the things I've done. And they see, okay, this guy's done all this stuff, and he's still standing there like an ace. He says, something's got to be okay. And this is how I sort of built my reputation by just doing whatever I wanted to do basically. And now I'm sort of settling down. Um, I just bought a house last week here in Hungary. So it's the first time I've ever decided to actually put roots down. 51. Congratulations. Thank you. And it was a dream house. It was the exact house I, that I manifested uh, last year. It's funny because last year in August, I went to San Pedro and I did a 10 day um, session of ayahuasca and San Pedro and some iboga and some rape and things like that. They're all plant medicine. And you work with the lo- local indigenous people, and you you go through the, all the ceremonies that they go through, and it's like a it's like a unblocking of your spiritual powers, or whatever you want to call it. And you go with an intention. And my intention, I had three intentions. I had just ended my consulting career because I was traveling four days a week for twenty years, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm done. I'm staying home now. But I had no idea what I was going to do at all, right? And I wanted to start speaking. So, you know, I wanted to do that too. That was the second intention. The first intention was live for my online business. Second intention was um, to speak twice a, uh, twice a month internationally as of August 2018. And number three was have, have a house by August 2018. All three of them came true, like exactly almost a week before August. And I'm sorry, let me stop you there for a second because I want to get clear on this. When you talk about how you visualize this stuff, how you manifested it, right. how much time each day would you say you spent actually like – visualizing like spending time like just I, like I, I picture you closing your eyes and meditating almost and actually visualizing like I want to be clear I don't think people get what yeah. this really means when we talk about visualizing and manifesting right. I'd well, love that's to what I, uh, well you know everyone's heard I mean not everyone but a lot of people know the millionaire morning the magic morning or whatever it is you know I, I do sort of my own mornings and yes of course I journal my 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 visions or my missions or my intentions daily and then I yeah, daily, okay. of course, definitely. So every morning I get up, I try, I try to get up before everybody else, so I'm ready for when they come, come down the stairs, and I journal, and then I read a little bit, learn a little bit, and then I meditate a little bit. I actually meditate first, and then I go through the, my, own, my own rituals like that. And of course, you keep it alive in your, in your consciousness, but you, like, you have to let it go. You have to see it growing. And the thing about manifestation is not, not wishing for it. It's actually having it now. So it's mm-hmm. here now. You don't have to wish for it. You, it's feeling you what it, it feels like to have it right, right now. Yeah. Right now, right now. So you're, you're, because our, our conscious brain 
trains our subconscious. It's just like when you learn baseball or you learn to, to learn to play something, repetition, right? You repeat, 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 repeat. And after a while, you don't have to think about driving a car anymore because it's, it's automated. Your brain has picked it up as a reality. And you can do the same thing with everything around you. You do the same thing with wealth. You can do the same thing with houses. You can do the same thing with whatever you want. And people find that hard to believe because they won't let go. It's like holding a bird saying, fly, fly, fly. But you say, wait, you got to let me go. Okay, go. Now right. you can fly. And the research and is there. Trust, they can grow trust. rich. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Encourage Hill. gives you the perfect outline for exactly how to do this and like six right. steps he talks about. So that's because that's what I'm, I'm recognizing and what you're describing. Well, even better than that. I mean, I did obviously that. And then, of course, The Richest Man in Babylon is a fantastic book for wealth, for growing okay. wealth. The Richest Man in Babylon, you got to check it out. But my, my, my biggest one is uh, right now in the last couple of months is uh, jo- Joseph Murphy, you know, Miracle Power for, for Infinite Riches is one of his many books. Uh, and it's very simple, very short chapters. They have 10 points at the end of every chapter and then sort of like an affirmation you say. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it blows me away how it brings everything to the front. You know, it just, it just makes it so obvious. Like, yes, of course. It's not complicated. It's real easy. There's actual steps you can use. And everyone, I, I send it to all my clients and they're like, Steve, what's going on? You're freaking out. And uh, the, literally the first day they try it, the, the next day they're like, Steven, I can't believe this and this happened or this happened or this was, you know, just like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, yeah. pretty amazing stuff. My, my wife reflected back to me once, and this was a powerful moment for me in my life, where she remembered when I was working full-time at a CPA firm, and I was miserable working at the CPA firm. I would come home crying some days, literally crying, uh-huh. because of the way my boss, the managing partner of the firm, would just absolutely berate me. He would put his foot on the back of my neck, but in a very different way, and he wasn't a drill sergeant. Anyway... <laughs> At that time, I would start to say to my wife practically every day, I want to just be able to work from home. I want to be able to work from home. So fast forward years later, we're, I'm, I'm living in a home that I bought in Burbank, California. And you know, I had actually, it took a long time, but I transitioned to the point where I no longer went out to see any clients. My last client that I would physically go see was an interior designer in Hollywood. And it came to the point where I knew she was better off with a different a consultant who specialized in interior designers. She found one. I helped them transition. And that day finally came where I was truly working from home doing everything from home. And my wife said to me one day, she says, I remember when you first started yeah. saying that this is what you wanted for yourself. And now you're actually living it. And I, you know, even talking about it now, I've got chills. Well, and, and it's funny because what you did was what everyone does, but typically in the negative. Mm-hmm. I'm not good. I hate this. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. You repeat it. You're training your brain to accept that as reality. So right. whenever someone keeps repeating something, positive it's a good thing if it's negative it's a bad thing so you know it's like oh man here we go again i, I hate mondays of course you will you know it's right. like I, I i did a, a meme or mem i don't know how you said it the other day and i said um if you think your life sucks it does right because <laughs> oh, yeah i love that and there's another one like that that i love which is there are two kinds of people in the world those who say it's going to work and those who say it's not going to work and they're both right they're both right exactly exactly <laughs> the point and people are like oh it's mumbo jumbo you guys you guys and you made it now now you think you can say all these positive things and no but it actually that's exactly how i got here yeah i got here by forcing my way into my own reality by creating my own reality by forcing myself to believe that i could do it yeah. It's, it's not, I mean, there's no other way that I can explain how I did it. I, I literally forced myself every day. Like, I'm driving in my car. I don't listen to music. I listen to these affirmations. I listen to the audiobooks. I don't listen to music. I I'm guilty. To I listen to music. Nothing. I still can't get away from No, music. in the gym, I'll listen to music. In the gym, in the gym, right. I go to music. <laughs> but, right. you know, if I'm in the car, I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm, before, when I get up, when I go to bed, in, in one time in the day, I actually have reminders in my calendar three times a day with a mantra. 
Right. To consciously repeat. And they change all the time, you know, depending on what I need. And that's literally how I dictate my life. And once you have that and you live with, look, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about my, 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 uh, my core principles, which I'm known for. Some people call me the hit man. I was going to ask you to talk about hit principles because yeah. I love this. I absolutely so love it. The, <laughs> hit, hit was founded back about 15 years ago when I was um, working actually with, uh, when, around with Mike. And I was asked to train all of the new managers and directors and things like that because I was a director for Europe. And I started teaching them on conscious leadership because I knew there was a different way um, to uh, uh, work with people than just the, than the military taught me. And I looked at the six essential needs of, of human beings, right? And there are you know, certainty, uncertainty, significance, connection, growth, and contribution. They're the six, six needs that every person has. And I started to talk about conscious leadership, how if you provide these six needs, at least three of them, for the people that you lead, you don't have to be this like crazy leader that reads a million books and has to act like General Patton, right? You just literally provide for them. And I called it conscious leadership. And then I called it you know, self-leadership. Then I called it whatever. And then finally, about a year ago, uh, when I was starting to come online, like I said, I wanted to start a business, so I decided to come online with it. I had to come up with an acronym or a name, and I came up with HIT because all I ever talked about was honesty, integrity, and transparency. Mm-hmm. If you're honest with yourself and you're transparent with yourself in everything you do in every situation that you're in, the byproduct of that is, is um, integrity. And that integrity allows you to be authentic. And that authenticity is amazing because you can literally dictate your own market value. And then if, once you get to that point where you feel like, okay, I'm honest in everything that I do. And I'm transparent with myself in everything that I do. And if everything, anything is involved, anyone is involved in my decision-making process, I'm transparent with them too. You're literally untouchable. No one can get anything on you. You're not hiding anything. You're not lying. No one's tricking you. Nothing. That's number one. Then you start to learn to give and receive without expectation. So I can, I, when I do something, I do it because I want to do it. And I don't have any expectation of you, which means I'm always happy because if you're happy, I am. If you're not happy, I'm sorry. You know, something as simple <laughs> as that. Same thing as when I receive something. If someone gives me something and they want me to, you know, to have a certain sort of reaction and I don't have it, they're upset. But I'm sorry. I don't, I don't you know, this is not, my life doesn't really rotate around your expectations. So I say this, either drop your expectations or verbalize them. So, for instance, my wife, our relationship is so much better, you know, ever since we started doing this a few years ago where, you know, I give when I want to give and I love when I want to love and I don't, I don't have an expectation. You know, sometimes you come home with flowers, you're like, you know, tonight's the night or whatever, you know, uh, and then you have an expectation. She, she feels that pressure. You want it. She feels the pressure. Neither one of you say anything. And then she's sort of shying away and you're thinking, why is she shying away? She's mad at me. And the next thing you know, you're fighting over the toothpaste. You know, uh-huh. instead of, instead of just, you know what I mean? Instead of just, yeah, you, both of you are laughing. So I, I know exactly, you know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so, you know, we avoid all that. We avoid all that. You right. Know? I and, read and a so, book called the committed life where the author talks about how in too many marriages, it's like, we need a scorecard. Everybody's keeping score. Yeah, yeah. So we have to stop keeping score. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. In this, you know, And it's hard, it's hard to stop unless you start something else. Mm-hmm. And so just stopping and having a, a blank space doesn't really work. So usually, typically, when I speak to my clients and stuff, you know, I talk about, okay, if, you're gonna st- if you want to stop this, it means you've got to start a new habit. You've got to start a new practice, so to say. And so we work on those kind of things. And that's usually the mindset, what we were just talking about with Joseph Murphy and, you know, and uh, Think and Grow Rich and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but all what this does is it makes you this amazingly authentic person. And, you can, and this is where when you know who you are, and you're transparent, and you're honest, you can stand anywhere, and you're not bashful, shy, you're not, it's just, you're just so solid, it's like an oak tree in a, in a forest of saplings. Mm-hmm. You just, boom, you're there, and everybody. You're just right here, right now, and that's everybody all I feels it. Everybody sees it, everybody feels it. Right. Yep. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. 
Yep. So we've got a few minutes left. What I would love to hear from you, because we touched on this a little bit earlier, is some of your go-tos these days. What do you like to read? What podcast do you listen to? Let's 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 get the Stephen Kuhn guide for personal growth here. <laughs> well, like, like there, there's, you know, I have I can look at my books here. You know, I have The Richest Man in Babylon, and I have um, Marcus Aurelius Meditations. They're my two go-to books, and I have, of course, um, Think and Grow Rich, um, uh, Team Builders Textbook. Uh, leadership revolution just things that i don't you know i rarely read a whole book if i'm honest with you oh really okay yeah 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 i i always read things like i said i use my intuition right Right. so i'll just i'll flip it open and whatever opens i'll just read it and so i'll read a book over like i read napoleon hill of course like five times when i was younger all these leadership books i've led i read in the past now i take intuitive excerpts i guess you could say that's great i, I love that i say, i like to say i study books because i do go through the whole thing but i study them i actually read and take notes so i can because to me that's the only way i'm going to learn how to apply this stuff in my life otherwise i just read it say that was great and that's the end of it and it's like in one ear out the other so to speak so well i, um, I, I do lives every night so i use that as parts of my life so what I, my my lives every single night on my page which is Stephen coon official on facebook is i'll look at something that had happened in my life that day and i'll apply it to one of these principles of one of these books that i've read and i look in the book and like Marcus Aurelius or whatever, you know, if one man can do it, every man can and that kind of stuff, you know, and I, and I sort of do these kind of things on my lives. So it's, you know, it's, it, it gets to be all right. But on my, you know, my website, stephen com has a little bit of information on that. As far as podcasts go, you know, I'm not a big podcast listener, but I do like Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. Um, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was on his podcast on the 18th of June, which was quite, actually quite successful for me. Um, um, you know, uh, man, so like Chris Reynolds, I like his, the business, uh, the business, um, Right, called the business something podcast. Um, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a big podcast. You know, every once in a while, Joe Rogan. If I want to get excited, <laughs> okay. And real quick, because we're really coming up on the end, but I want to tell people uh, how to find you and and tell us real quick in 30 seconds or less, like what you do for people today. How do people work with you? Why do they work with you? In other words, okay. who you are, what you do, who you do it for. Right. You can find me on stephen coomcom I work with. Um, uh, basically more or less service and product-based companies. I help them um, find immediate revenue for their products or and for their business so they can stand up, look, and, and proud and say, I can scale my business now and I can grow my business now. 80%, 70% of it is consulting, you know, and the rest is, is, is coaching directly. Now, I, I land products in big box retailers like Costco and Walmart and things like that as a side business, but I also help them structure their businesses so it goes smoother and I have a context to all of those um, outlets as well. So those are two sort of str- strengths of businesses that I have. Gotcha. Stephen Kuhn, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm going to get all the links and things that we need and we'll get them up in the show notes so everybody can get access to all the resources that were mentioned during the episode. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you too as well. Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. 